This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everybody, wax up your uh, word processors. We're going surfing. <laughs> it's cold out today, a little chilly, so I thought I would dust ice off some. Back open. Yeah, a little surfing music. For I almost came advice. here with, with my ice skates that I thought that might uh, provoke hmm. comment. It absolutely so it, She it, brings it up. <laughs> <laughs> Whee! Don't get much past me. You are an open right, book. What literary device is that? Go. You are an open book. It is a test. That was, uh, that was not an allegory. That was just straight up. Yeah. <laughs> so that's okay. Um, well, out there in, uh, in uh, Cedar Creek Park, I believe you could uh, circle yeah. around. Have you done that yet this year? Oh, yeah. Like three days in a row, right? Fun. With skates? Yes. See, I would just go on with my feet. There are people who have been out there with just their feet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know because we had that warm stretch and it closed for a few days. I haven't been oh, back sure. there, but I mean, there was like the the north side was a little bit rough. Like okay. I think they tried to might be <clears throat> took something too heavy out there to clear off some snow, <laughs> and it kind of mm-hmm. they had some problems and last year too. So the other half was like, oh my gosh, you would have thought it was an indoor rink. Oh nice, it was beautiful. And you're good at I this reckon. sort of thing. The whole ice oh, skating. No. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I have to be very careful because, you know, I write for a living. If I break a wrist, I have a problem. I think about that all the time. I don't with, uh, always use the computer. I library write long-handed. <laughs> like the library, library work requires eyes and fingers. And then someone mentioned, what about brain? I'm like, oh, we don't get into that. But, uh, you know, <laughs> we certainly, those two things we need. Post-production, add so. a roll snare there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, anyway, yeah. So we were talking last week about the writer's toolbox, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, the things that you can 
uh, hey, draw hey, from. Rattle, rattle. Right yes, here. thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I should have brought some. Uh, that toolbox. A hacksaw and a, uh, you know, whatever it takes. There we go. <laughs> but there are things that we can use that I we can I actually made him on. take everything out of range. You know, I tend to play with things while we do this. I, it's like, we've heard, the, MK, we've Sharpie, heard. Move the Sharpie, move the paper. I was like reaching here for. My editing guy is like, what is she doing? <laughs> like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you know, there Shoot are. Rubber things. bands across the room. <laughs> I learned a new way of doing it today. Um, <laughs> but you can, you know, the, there are things that you can draw on. It's not like you can lean on these things, you know, if you hand someone the toolbox and say, boom, you're a writer. But you're at probably least, using you know, them without knowing. That's or, or, you know, putting a name to it. Or, yeah. you, know, you probably are knowing what you're using. Obviously, you know what you're doing when you're putting words on the page. Right. Otherwise, you have a blank page. Certainly. Sometimes I know what I'm doing, and that's why I end up with a blank page. <laughs> Worked out well. Yeah, like, so. I was in, that was intentional. <laughs> that's how I save on ink costs. I don't mean it in the same white space thing that you do when you're talking scripts. It doesn't need any toner when she prints her books. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, But I'm not sure where we left off last week, only because the website I was using... <laughs> I just can't find. So I found something better. Um, well, maybe not. Hopefully, better. Something different. Nice. <laughs> um, and there's a few on here I don't. Completely different. There's a couple on here I actually have never even heard of, which is really oh, interesting. Good, so quiz. I'm excited about this. Oh, boy. Um, it take my phone out and Google some of these. So we. Um, you look things up if we get confused. Well, it could happen. Um, right. So here's one that I was interested in. That's called conceit, which is fun to say. Uh, when metaphor or figurative language compares one object or event to another that is very different or far more grandiose. A good example comes from Emily Dickinson. There is no frigate like a book. That's the best they could do. Anyway, uh, be careful using conceit in your writing. Sometimes it can make your readers go, huh? It could confuse your reader. Yeah. It can actually automatically date your text. Right, Depending right. on, on, well, I mean, most of the language is pretty dated when you write That's it down. True. I mean, it's very, very easy to date your stuff when you're writing just based on. Oh, sure. Yeah. Even if it's, um. Sorry, I'm getting a weird little echo here. Yeah, it's okay. No, I'm I'm monkeying with the le- I'm monkeying with the levels a little bit. That's me. <laughs> That's okay. It's an app distraction distraction from me going. Uh, what are words? No, no. Uh, no um, I'm done now. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to think if I ever. I'm sure I have. And yeah. I, yeah, I had to. It's a weird one because, like, like I said, it's not something yeah, that I've something even it, noticed. It's, it's a little it's, bit more. You know, we compared salt and pepper last last time. Right, right. It's more like the oregano. You know, a little bit less. Right. Packs a punch when you use it, but ooh, you don't want it in every dish. There is no oregano like a book. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Let me take it. Oh boy. Well, I mean, because there there is something very slam bang about. The, the wide divide between the comparisons, if you're sure. doing it really well. Now you can either, you, I would say personally, either use it very sparingly or use it a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> just blow, the, you know, blow them out of the you know, water. You could actually almost make a rhythm. Of, you can make yeah. a point. You could actually give, I mean, conceit right there, after you, conceit after conceit. conceit yeah. <laughs> uh, as a literary device, could really inform what voice you're using, what, yeah. what narrator, That's the true. point of view, what the person is whose point of view is speaking. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, hmm, I like it. I actually, had, <laughs> I came to that one a little uh, abstract, but now I'm starting to. I'm, I, I I'm, I'm feeling it being it. really fun tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So we have. Uh, I mean, I just I would love to see it used like all the time. I, I, if anyone <laughs> send, here, some, write, send us some examples, write, it, write <laughs> in and you know tell us, hey, there's this book that uses it all the time. I would love that. I think that would be delightful. <laughs> 
chapter 18 is nothing but a big fat conceit. <laughs> so, right, like every other sentence. I think that would be entertaining. I feel like the book I'm it, reading now is like that. I'm reading this one by uh, Stephen Chbosky, the guy who did uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. About, about yeah. the, the narration. Yeah. When they use that a certain way. Yeah, I'm reading this thing called... Because the mindset behind the words yeah. and what you provoke in the reader is really a point you're getting across with a conceit. Ooh, that'd be fun. Pick up imaginary friends, but uh, imaginary friend by she's Stephen Chbosky. I think he's. I, I feel like I, that's why it felt very familiar. I'm like, oh my okay. gosh, I think I'm reading that now. <gasps> so here's uh, an interesting thing. I think you are going to like this one. It's uh, euphony, which is a harmonious arrangement of words to make them pleasing to the ear. And Isn't that all words? <laughs> well, you would. Th- I don't know. I mean, that's what I was going to ask. When okay. you read your work aloud, you will notice either euphony. In meaning, it sounds it reads well and sounds good with good meter rhythm or discordance, where it sounds awkward or jarring, so, which it could be a tool too. I mean, really, so I mean, they're probably just talking about that effect, not right. as a tool per se. Right, right. Although, again, I think if you want to be discordant in a chapter to put your reader kind of off balance or something, use it. I mean, I don't know. I think that just don't make it too jar- jarring where people put the book down. Well, I mean. <laughs> It's it's like I'm looking you, at you, Thomas Pynchon. Let's say, <laughs> example, take take an an older you know 19th century symphony. You sure. got those you know little quiet little parts. You sure, flutes coming on, maybe some oboe, just kind of soothing it out, and then all of a sudden, dump, all yeah. the strings go. Wah, right, it's, right. It was, you know, have you heard of August uh, Schoenberg? Have you heard his stuff before? It's all discordant. The so, whole thing is discordant. Right, and yeah. I have a friend who loves it, and he's telling yeah. me I would love it too, yeah. except I don't. Uh, I actually <laughs> feel that way about Pink Floyd. My well, husband think... is a huge Pink Floyd fan. Yeah? And it always gives me a little heebie-jeebies when I listen to it. Yeah, uh, Radiohead does it to my wife. My oh. wife cannot listen to Radiohead because they like oh. to put a little, uh, little like computerized little blips and bloops in their yeah, songs, okay. and then she hears as she's like a Ter- dog, she goes yeah, sideways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she hates. Yeah, it. I love but Radiohead. There's something to the tone and the the way it, it grows. There's a noise within Pink Floyd that tends to get me on edge. Yeah, inside. oh sure, they like clangs. Yeah. Gongs, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. They, they monkey, especially early Pink Floyd. They're in real I, trouble it, there. It, well, you, yeah. you, you try like Umaguma or Saucer Full of Secrets, so, you I mean, got yeah, you're in trouble. You can use Discord very well, yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, you can use. I think. I think the thing is, sentence variations always important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, and that's where you're playing with all this. How does it look on the page? How does it sound when an audio book is? Throwing it at ah, your ears, you right? Know? Absolutely. Uh, what What is the white space look like? I mean, formatting a book. I'm right now. I'm getting t- through the edits for MI, uh-huh. and I'm soon going to be starting edits on the other one for this year. That I mean, I'm already looking ahead. I've got vellum, and I'm kind of been playing with formatting with what I have just to kind of see, you know, what am I thinking of for chapter headings? You know, what kind of spacing? What size book for the spine width for the paperback? And I mean, white space line continuation, that's, uh-huh. that's just an art form. You don't want to yeah. break a sentence in an awkward spot. I mean, it bugs me to this day. I mean, there's just, there's no going about it. It's too late. There's like, <laughs> in my first book, there's one word on one page because of the way it folded over to the next page. Oh. It's like the last page, <laughs> word of the chapter. I'm like, huh. <laughs> well. <laughs> that's dramatic. <laughs> I hope it's a good word. It's just, it's just jarring. Like sandwich. It's, just, it's a formatting thing. And, you know, and yes, some of it, you know, it's the, the words itself. Some of it is the formatting. You can have beautiful words that are formatted funny. I, I hate reading, say, you know, a Word doc on my phone because it just, oh yeah, you, you just can't. No, you know? it's not fun. You know, no. micro, my, uh, microscope for that. But, but if the words are pretty, I mean, it's, 
that's 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 i was talking about this with diction i think last week yeah. just mm-hmm. the way it all you know little peaks and valleys and, yeah you know it's like painting a picture mm-hmm. and and not just with oh literally describing something you know showing or telling right uh right. and i have my own thoughts on showing a telling, which we woof, we probably don't even have enough time for that that's um, a good future show though i would like to oh talk man, about that, that i comes, have so much thoughts oh on there we go <laughs> tune in next week everybody for oh, show don't tell oh, or tell oh, don't show um, <laughs> i'm excited for that no, it'll be a bunch of no shows quite quite telling i'm telling all right here we go uh, <laughs> turn, in, uh, turn in for a half hour of dad jokes <laughs> there, right it'll be a pun hour Oh, no, um, two thirds of a pun. Pu. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> no, but 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 I mean, um, when I say painting a picture with words, and it's not just describing yeah. the scene or describing a character's emotional state, or yeah. just you know, literally leading people through. You know, so and so said this, and so and so replied. You know, the 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 way the words fit together. Really, I I try to avoid having everything. Yeah. With with. Same height, <laughs> right? You mean, no, I hear you. I, I, you know, well, welcome like, to the oh, world. Oh, we of haven't sc- had an F in a while. What's the word with the F in it? No, you know what I mean. It's still no silly. problem here. I um. Some people go with sentence variation. I try to think letter variation. Yeah, when yeah, I'm writing. Yeah, and and in screenwriting, this is critical though because I'm, it's so white white space sure. centric and. Sure. You have to have a balance between action and dialogue. And if you do too much of either, sure. you will lose your reader. Because sure. your readers well, are not your viewers, they're with, producers. I mean, I've sort of taken into the sentence variation. I kind of got on, you know, beating that one with a stick here. But yeah. I, it was something that early writing for me, mm-hmm. some of my earliest work was, I'm trying to even emulate it, live on air. <laughs> you know, this sentence is about the same length as the one that's going to follow. And the one as that follows. As you follows, can tell, yeah. this is the same sentence structure as the one that preceded it. <laughs> and next we have, the, you know, yeah, right, where right. are the commas? Where are the pauses? I where's will, the yeah, and? Where's yeah. the but? Where's the, you know, all the things. Where's the one sent, yeah. one word sentence? Yeah. And, I mean, that's a, there's Packs a common a meme. You can find that. I'm sure if you're if you're out there and you're writing regularly, you've seen no. this. People have shared it with you, that, that sentence variation thing. There's a there's a comparison kind of like a little meme where they highlight different colors based on sentence structures. Sure. Yes. Absolutely. And yeah, the, I've seen the that. The boring version, and yep. then there's the the cool one. It's got yeah. like pink highlighting, blue, yellow, yeah. blue, whatever. Absolutely. And they say this one's more interesting to read. Absolutely. But if you know why the other's boring, you can use it. Yeah. You can yeah. sometimes. You. I mean, the actual sentence variation, sentence structure, the whole combination of how the words work together and read. Yeah. Can produce a mood in your reader oh, sure. that you're yeah. trying to provoke without even saying it in the story. Yeah, yeah. and that ooh, <laughs> that's that's I think why I sink in some of my favorite authors, and it's comfort food. It's like oh, yeah. they're doing that thing again where they're literally using their words oh, and certainly. the word order and word choice and placement to to add an extra layer on top of what they're saying. And sometimes it can be exactly opposite of yeah. the scene. Yeah. You can have an incredibly exciting scene told in very boring words and that's interesting it's very yeah. hard to do yeah and it's generally not recommended you know who does that uh, writers like uh, david baldacci and patterson they write all they have at least one action scene per 50 pages sure. and it is it is the most boring laundry list of like and then i and then he grabbed the gun he went to the car he opened the car door he jumped in hit the cat you know and but at the same time it actually reads like screenplay writing is what it does because that's what they're doing they're writing mm-hmm. television in book form and that's why mm-hmm. they're so wildly successful because that's what people like so yeah. i mean there's there's nothing wrong with it. It's well, just and that's it's why they, they do it well. They do it very well. 
And that's why every now and then you you know see people take you know what is touted as a classic, and I'm not going to name any here because <laughs> everyone has their favorite classic they love to hate. You know whatever. Right. <laughs> but because you see people take an older book that was wildly popular, sold bought tons, and sure, yeah. People go, oh, that would never sell today. Well, yeah, it was written in a different style right. for a right. different purpose with a different audience. Well, use, use Charles Dickens. Use the big ones because Dickens wrote wrote for money. I mean, that's the thing. Be like, he's so verbose. His chapters are huge. He just goes and goes and goes. Well, yeah, he wanted to eat. It's a penny a word right, for that right, boy. Right. You know, so, I mean, he had a lot of kids. Good heavens. Yeah, well, and, and nowadays, you know, you're paying a few cents a word for editing. So, right. you know, you just dial it back. <laughs> <laughs> we want to grab the gun, works. shut the trunk, move on. <laughs> we do have to take a break. Speaking of getting paid, and uh, I'm going to do this for my friend Greg. Actually, I said uh, August Schoenberg. It's actually Arnold Schoenberg. I was wrong there. Oh. This is Piano Concerto. No wonder con- we didn't know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> piano Concerto, uh, Opus 42. Ooh. This is for you, Greg. Enjoy, I guess. Discordant. Ooh, I like Schoenberg, so uh, you know, a little. That's a uh, fun little uh, lead out, lead in variation there. Yeah, contrast. It, was, it? <laughs> it, it, it brought to mind on the way on yeah. the little outro there. Uh, I said, "Oh, oh, I've kind of thought." Uh, I, I'd mentioned previously the the whole fact that I I kind of mood read, and that's kind of how some of my bookshelves are are laid out. But you know, it's not, it's not color, it's not size of book, it's not even genre. Sometimes it's mood. Am I in the mood for? <laughs> so but, it's a know, tip off to your husband if he walks in and sees the shelves a certain way. Like, he's like, it's um, like playlists. Uh, <laughs> so when you think about sure, how yeah. people organize a lot of their music, is playlists. Um, yeah, people do their genres, you know, country music, classical, et cetera, et cetera. But, but for me, I mean, the two diff- very different moods in those two pieces of music. Mm-hmm. Went, oh, I get that. Which, yeah. you know, that's why the tone and the, you know, the discord or the harmony is so important. Yeah. And it's just a neat little underpinning. And again, most people, you don't even think about it when you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. And, Sometimes you can you can kind of feel it when you're reading it back or you're you know thinking of it through checking a scene after you've written it. Yeah, yeah. You go, oh, something's wrong or something's working, and and that might that might be it. Yeah, the other things, yeah. but that might be it. Absolutely. Um, it's just something really neat to pay attention to. Well, it leads very well into the next one here Ooh. on the list. Very well. I'm going to skip over foreshadowing because it's just kind of boring. I mean, everyone knows foreshadowing, so it's just I don't think we need to cover it that much. I'm trying not to say the word irony. Trying not to say the word irony. So, but I do. Is that like, in the list? And, um, <laughs> it is not. Um, oh. But however, um, Sorry. But meta- metaphor is, and I thought okay. we should let's, let's listen to the. Uh, you don't get a lot of those these days. Well, that's what I. Uh, so substituting oh. one object for another, as we all know, but unlike conceit, usually one with similar properties. They're yep. making, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, e.g., 
She was always crying, a leaky vase filled with dead flowers. I kind of like that. Uh, metaphor <laughs> figuratively implies that an object is something else. Its sister is simile, which right. in which she uses like her as exactly right. Um, that one so, brought me back to grade school. That, well, metaphor right. is simile. One I, uses I, like her as one does not. It's it's actually not yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. It, when you get right down to the nitty gritty. Speaking I've, of mood reading, though, I, I read a lot of Bradbury, and he is uh, a beast with metaphor. It's hard to do metaphor. It really it's is easy to do simile. Right. He's like boom, like yeah, boom, yep. like as, like as, you know. Metaphor the, takes some nuance. Those sentences are somehow easier to yeah. construct. Yep, yeah, and Absolutely. and part of the danger of metaphor is the same thing with the problem with conceit. You can lose your reader. Yeah, and Bradbury has lost a lot. Or of Or you can readers. overreach. Yeah, you can you can either do too many. Yeah. I think it almost is better. To, like I said, I'd love to read something with like just chock full of conceit. Oh, sure. I would hate <laughs> to read something chock full of metaphor. Yeah. Because then you start going, oh my gosh, you're stretching the brain all over and you can't actually picture it. You're not building a picture, yeah. you're destroying it a little. You're putting yeah. <laughs> space aliens in old um, oil painting that yeah. you found at a yard sale. Yes, people do that. <laughs> Again, I'm assuming people are, you know, they're listening from the internet. They've seen those those fun things. <laughs> yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, there is power to it. There is something uh, beautiful, you know, again, it's it's a... It's another voice in the orchestra. Yeah. It's those little high piccolos that break in a little and have your brain go, ooh, you know, a little you, tickle. I will but, say it's worth trying, though, because if you score a good metaphor oh, and yeah. someone reads it, and they, it, 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 I, I think that that's that, the part you remember. Yeah, that's a very powerful for uh, a it's reader. The, it's the kind of thing where even if you don't notice it at the time, because if it's really working, maybe you shouldn't. It shouldn't just leap out and slap you in the face. <laughs> right, right. You know, it should be part of the words, yeah. part of the moment, part of the image and the picture and the story that you're painting. But you could be driving down the street three days later and go, oh, because the little thought reappears. The part they connected it to might reach out into your life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've got, you mentioned this one after the break, and I should have gone right to this one, yeah. but I, I interrupted the, our stream here with... Uh, um, you know. No, I like that direction. But That's good. mood is on this list, oh. and we were just talking about mood reading. So let's read what oh, they say about oh, mood. Oh, I'm curious here. what they say. Mood helps define genre oh, and we, can help emphasize theme. Did we get the, the, the website this is from? Uh, so this is uh, from someone's personal website. A mm-hmm. piece seems to be a writer yeah, named. Give them the shout out. Ooh. Karen Cox, K A R I N C O X dot WordPress dot com. Cool. Uh, Karen actually Great is. Great list. Uh, Karen is a uh, self-professed incurable word nerd. I so. love it. We're, oh, word nerd! <laughs> I hear wordsmith so often. I love word nerd. Um, I love that. Doing play. very well on Facebook. One point three likes. One point three thousand yeah. likes. Yeah, whatever nice. that is. One point. Okay. Yeah, one point three k likes. There we go. Yeah. I'll do that. And uh, yeah, so check, uh, see. Her out because um, apparently she's an editor. Uh, there are some people okay, on the cool. c- corner here. Oh, so she knows her toolbox inside out. Karen's clients say, I found Karen's editorial and writing service incredibly professional, quick, and helpful. So cool. it's doing well. But anyway, right, mood. So, mood. Um, so compare the girl ambled through the shady forest with the girl hurried through the dim woods. The second sounds ominous. The first sounds as if she's skipping along oblivious, even right. though they both say almost the same thing. Sure. She's, uh, there's a girl who's working her way through a forest. Okay. Of course, I'm, yeah, so I just said it most this is, this is mood different from the overarching yeah. mood of a piece like like Jane Eyre. I tried to read that the other night. I was feeling kind of, I think I mentioned this on the you did. show. You, I, you and I was feeling kind it. of, huh. And I got like five chapters in, I'm like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, <sighs> I felt so sorrowful. I'm like, I oh need my. something upbeat. So I actually went and dug out... Um, 
Seven Keys to Bald Pate. Oh, boy. Which is beyond frivolous. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's man. a snack book. <laughs> it's so silly. I'm reading The Man um, Who Would Be Thursday right now, which okay. is completely insane. Okay. So, um. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. I mean, so this is different from my mood read of right. you know, the overall but, tone of the story, overall tone of the words together. This is mood, creating mood creating with your mood. words in the moment. Right. But all those right. things will create what you're you know, talking something about. Something beyond, well, that would include pacing. Right. It would include diction, right. which we talked about previously Absolutely. last time. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it would involve your similes and metaphors. Like, for example... If you're going for a real tight, urgent, tense mood, you might want to avoid a conceder a metaphor. <laughs> you know, because if right, you're trying to right. really Jack Reacher, throw some, Jack if you're throwing someone into the, the moment yeah. when they're fighting for their life, yeah. or yeah. or you know, they're in a hospital setting and it's super tense, and you know, you want the <laughs> the people bawling their eyes out. <laughs> yeah. You got to be careful of of going with something real. Yeah. Out there, yeah, don't invoke butterflies, or you know, like uh, unless you're gonna, you know, black butterflies or something. I mean, you know, again, you got to be careful with what you're doing there. So. Well, yeah, because it could be a distraction. Yeah, if, if you take things out of that moment, uh, and yeah, obviously that was a very nice, succinct example. Yeah, very clear. That's- I actually have a, a really interesting little. Uh, trying to think of how I've worded it, and I'm not going to dig my laptop out <laughs> here. But there's a there's a comparison, a visual that I created with a few short words. Um, in my Sherlock story, yeah. which is currently in edits, mm-hmm. and it was it was basically talking about a little tiny white square of like a baby's bonnet at the bottom of a well. Ah, I was like, ugh, yeah. Like yeah. I just sat there staring at a wall. That's a visual. Going, That's definitely I was a visual. Going, what would be the right tone for ugh? <laughs> and that, that one came in. Um, and again, you know, out of context, not quoted, but and it's. I think I put it in as a simile. Wow. Uh, the way I used it. So, I mean, and that's in a in a moment where you want the gut punch, but yeah. I threw it in. And, I mean, it's a very unusual visual. It is. Considering the circumstance. Yeah. It's 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 literally Sherlock sitting in 221 smoking and thinking very hard about something, you know, and that visual creeps into that moment. And, you know, you've got a character sitting and kind of <laughs> doing nothing visually. Yeah. So it worked. And, and I mean, at the time I like... Can I get away with this? Is this <laughs> is this taking the reader out and putting them somewhere very specific, somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's you know? a very unique but, I mean, situation. It was such a, a such a moody mood. Yeah, man. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, um, it's a unique situation because you are. But was, every writing is a unique situation. There we go. I got, well, I got him uh, to say the thing. <laughs> so I can say the thing. Every moment of writing is a unique situation. This just strikes make, me. <laughs> that's what makes the tools so fun. Right. Is you can sit and you can talk about them, draw about them, and examine them. This but one when strikes you sit me as doubly write, so because you are writing a character, and I have always meant to ask you this, mm-hmm. and I never have, and now I get the mm-hmm. opportunity to. Are you trying to sound like Conan Doyle, intentionally Ooh. or not? Because Ooh. is it Sherlock if it doesn't read like Conan, at least a little bit is like the Conan Doyle? Is the same depending on who does it? <laughs> I don't. Well, well that's, I feel like there's still anthologies <laughs> out there where different people have interpreted the same character very True. successfully, and you know it's still them. Okay, mm. is it? I was gonna say, is it successful? I'm trying to stay clear to the character. Yeah. Um, because the character, as originally created, I mean, as much as I can know, I'm an outsider. You know, I am not Arthur Conan Doyle or Adrian Conan Doyle, who True. did a fantastic. 
I'm probably going to get a purist mad at me. Adrian Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes stories are so lovely. Oh my ah. gosh, I love those. It's the set of 12. I have the book at home. I might oh. actually go read it this afternoon. There we go. I've talked about it. Oh my gosh, I love those. They were basically movies all the time. taking um, notes from Arthur Conan Doyle's desk oh, and sure. kind of just working and finessing and writing the completion of those yeah. stories just, just where we have more. Absolutely. And, and that was kind of what I was approaching it is. I just, I want more. I want more originals, even though it's not an original. We replaced, I'm aware of that. We replaced our copy of that, which you're talking about, just last year. And it was really yeah. actually somewhat hard to do. Um, yep. It was not readily. We bought nope. a used copy and we put Mine's it back in the collection. the yellow Barnes & Noble one from okay, the yeah. mid-90s, I think. Yeah, it was I got a it. hardcover we got on Amazon yeah, yeah. for like 20, you know. But we had to pay through the nose for a little bit. Well, it was like 40 mm. bucks or something. So uh, Speaking of, if you're looking to replace uh, old books that are hard to get, Alibris or Ape Books. Ooh, oh, sure. I, sure. I, I yeah. always go to those and yeah. Alibris is always giving coupons, FYI. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so um, is by the book here at you know, just, uh, CPL Radio. <laughs> it's at uh, I'm, just, Library. I'm just saying that um, so many people don't know about those two sites that it's yeah. like, oh man, if you're a used book junkie, especially yeah. if you want to find like a $9,800 signed first edition or something. <laughs> yeah. Fun stuff. That's back to my uh, collection preservation days in Madison. I got to look up really cool rare books okay. for replacement. So but, so we're coming. But, we're but co- I didn't answer your question. That's true. Yeah, you did yeah, not. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> you're coming up on the end here. Oh, we are. Just say by the end. Uh, uh, no, I'm. <laughs> Here's a weird one. I mean, and I, oh boy, you know me, I like to shy away from any voice of authority, any, mm-hmm. you know. And I Take know no you, advice. You wanted, you wanted to talk about imposter syndrome sometime soon, and we're going to have to get to that because, I mean, <laughs> that's that's basically, <laughs> I got that written on my license plate, I think. Uh, you know, it's something everyone deals with, everyone feels. Oh, sure. In, in some scope. But, but, I mean, I want... I tried to make my first of all the Sherlock story, which I mean, it may or may not go at this point. Mm-hmm. We're still we're still not sure, yeah. um, but it exists. It exists. <laughs> you know, um, I can read it. I like it. Right. Yeah. But but I mean, it's written from Sherlock's narration because of the demands of the story, mm-hmm. and those are so rare. And generally, the ones no offense the the ones that are written from Sherlock's oh. Yeah. Point of view as usually a narrator. It's Wa- usually John, uh, They're basically Watson, the... Watson telling us oh. what Sherlock told him. And it's like this very thinly veiled first person narrative is like, oh. well, that was kind of a cheat. Never, uh, never write, you know, fiction. Never write they, with an addict. <laughs> well, they're, 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 they're still Watson. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so, you know, there's there's going to be that distance imposed automatically between the originals and what yeah. I'm doing because. Yeah. I've used Sherlock as the narrator. I tried to fit the tone and style, and I had a few people now who've baited go, whoa, Aha. that fits. Ah, oh, that fits. Okay, okay. And it's so funny is, I, did I mention such? No. I've never mentioned such. No, but you don't have much time to mention okay, such today. Okay, well. <laughs> that's, a so cliff, that's a cliffhanger. I, I let my husband read the first chapter after I penned it, because this story sure. just poured out of me last summer. Okay. It got done, and he's like, it's interesting, because it's still you. It's still clearly you and your style, but it's still different. It still feels Holmesian. Mm. And, he's, and I said, oh, good. Because <laughs> I've been worried I don't have a specific voice. You know, when you change, like, for example, MI mm-hmm. is the main narrator, third person point of view is Myra. Mm-hmm. Well, my point of view shifts between my various main characters for bookminders. So if your point of view is third person, and so it's a different character speaking and telling the story, 
do you as an author across different pieces and different point of views have a voice mm. coming through? Sure. Are sure. you just chameleon your way through different characters? And it's interesting because I have certain tells. Everyone has their certain tells, things <laughs> they lean on, things they like to do. And my husband, he goes, well, there's one tell that I just noticed immediately. I'm like, oh, that's MK right there. <laughs> and I said, like, he's saying, oh, I'm afraid to tell you because you're going to be conscious of it now. It's such an <laughs> odd little thing you do. It's the word such. I haven't run across the word such in any other book uh-huh. in forever. But it's like a thing you do. You just throw, throw it in. He's like, and it doesn't stand out. It's just when I see it, I'm like, oh, <clears throat> that's MK. She's using <laughs> such. And I went, hang on, hang on. And I ran to the bookshelves in the <laughs> library, came back with Sherlock, the whole set, opened a random page, started reading, and boom, there was such random uh-huh. page. That's the way I used it. And he goes, oh. So your teacher was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I get it. I'm like, well, I patterned on Sherlock Holmes at the age of eight, so maybe. You know, I can't oh, say, my. oh, yes, I learned from him. But be, you, you you pick things up. That's why, you know, read, read, yeah. read, read, read. Right, and, right, and absolutely. And you can hone your craft, hone absolutely. your style, hone what you like and don't like and what you want to do. Which is the ultimate toolbox. Like such. Reading. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Well, this has been such a <laughs> podcast on writing with. And, uh, yeah, we have a few more items, so we'll mm-hmm. probably uh, hit those next week. Or we'll talk about... The excitement of show, well that or oh. showing or showing not telling. One of the, we have we have, oh, we have boy, quite we the. I'm not allowed to retire. All well, right. folks, there are three more episodes at least coming up as far as we know because we have lots <laughs> of lots of business to cover. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, everybody. And you know what? We're going back to surf music. This has been the strangest music selection ever. <laughs> ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com